Welcome once again to Three Gens Theology. We have uh, gathered all three of us here together, these three varied generations. Uh, so, uh, Jim, how, how does it feel to be a, a three quarters of a century, you know, old? It's um, it's pretty uh, moving. Moving. Yeah. Moving. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're. Uh, they say you learn over the over the ages. You have not only learned just by by existing, but you have pursued knowledge, right? In Indeed. your life, that's certainly a characteristic characteristic of yours. And now, being seventy five, I realize that I would need to live another seventy five years to even come close to what I ought to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I am always amazed at people who are like along the way. We're at li- my spot in life, and they're, you know triple doctors and and uh, they're you know achieving all these things i'm man <laughs> i'm pathetic what, is, <laughs> what am i doing not at all you know but uh <laughs> i've been where god wants me to be so it's good that's right um so uh you know happy birthday to you of course Thank but you. uh but also uh it's great to be um with you trying to uh, as as Sai and i talk about what the bible teaches this is a an opportunity for us to pull some of that knowledge uh, out of you uh, that you've been uh, accumulating over time, but also accumulating by purpose, uh, which has been a a real example to both of us and to uh, many who you have uh, impacted for sure. That pursuit of biblical knowledge is great. And so we we look forward to continuing that process as we go into uh, the last few podcasts here of Christology, right? It's good that we uh, recognize the fact that we're doing this now lest we come to the point in my life where what I have forgotten is more than what I've yeah. learned. Uh, I would say we're close. I would say we're close right there. It's a, it's a tipping point. It's a tipping point. <laughs> Let's hope not. As we talk about happy happenings, though, uh, Grandpa obviously did have his birthday uh, this last Sunday, but also uh, the... The other side of the room for me has a, has some fun new titles that's that are right. coming. Uh, M announced her pregnancy to the to mm-hmm. the church and to yeah, that's right. the world. So yep. dad is becoming grandpa and grandpa's becoming great grandpa. That's right. I like my my title's more momentous, I think, of becoming a grandpa yes. than, than being a great grandpa. Right. You, Grandpa's you, already been a great grandpa. Been, right. He's already now been he's a great just, grandpa. You know, a great oh. grandpa. No, it's an official title. But yeah, such great news and yeah, uh, looking forward to, to all of that for sure. So we can yes. then uh, change our name eventually to Four, four Gens the Theology. There you go. Yeah. Or, Later on, we'll bring the baby in right. so that uh, you know you can all see. Hopefully, though, continued generation. continued Gens yeah. Theology, Amen. right? Continued Amen. Gens Theology, that's for sure. Dad's going to Dad's gonna offer to babysit on Tuesdays and just to have the baby come in. <laughs> that's right. Sit in with us. There you go. Well, he or she may, may contribute more uh, intellectual awareness than <laughs> some of us here. <laughs> Grandpa, right? Well, yes, Certainly right, be right, more yeah. insistent. That's right. That's right. Well, it is good. We, we do rejoice in these milestone things and, and uh, how good they are. And we can rejoice in them. Uh, and it's great uh, to have uh, life and not just this life, but one one coming and the promise of it as we think about a newborn coming that we can share the good news of uh, of Christ in, the, in their life as well, how good it is. Well, thank you for joining us uh, this time. We're going to jump in here with, uh, with this session's uh, topic, 
in Christology and looking forward to talking about what the Lord is um, presently doing, kind of what he did after resurrection, but also what he's presently doing and that work. He, as we said last time, the the idea of him being enthroned was not a final status. He didn't just go sit down on his throne and Right. And be there, but he's he's active. It's an as you said, actually, it's an active enthronement, which is such a good good phrasing of that, an active enthronement. So we're looking forward to talking about that some today. So let's start with prayer. Father, thank you for these uh, uh, opportunities we have to share of your truth. Uh, Lord, thank you for the gift of life, and uh, not only in this life, but also the gift of of eternal life through Christ. Uh, help us as we speak of Him. Uh, to be accurate in what we say and, and uh, encouraging um, in the way that we h- highlight truths of him. Lord, help us to grow in a closer relationship uh, with you because of these truths. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dan. Well, if we want to think about the life of Jesus after his enthronement, if we want to kind of consider that, we need to put ourselves into a bit of a of a time work frame here. Um, if we think about the fact that Jesus began his earthly ministry in his 30th year, uh, eventuating in the founding of the church a few years later, we realize that the church is a little bit less than 2,000 years old. Uh, the early church went through a period of growth that uh, began initially with ministry with the scriptures, the Old Testament, to Jews who became believers, and then gradually moving through the process of adding in the Gentiles, who then were instructed both in the Old Testament and in the gradually appearing New Testament books. Um, Another transition that took place during that period of time was going from a time when there was a necessity of authenticating right. the, uh, the messages of the messengers, these apostles, and others who were under their teaching. And that authentication came through miracles that were performed uh, in the early church through the presence of the speaking of tongues, through a variety of things that the Holy Spirit used to show that the message of these people was true. As time went on and the church began to grow and the New Testament became complete, some of this was no longer necessary. Uh, And so we want to make sure that we get this transition in mind. And it's during this period of time that we find Jesus' post-resurrection, post-ascension, post-enthronement ministries, if you will, in the book of Acts. And we're going to look at those a little bit today. And in addition to that, we're going to think about some of the things that Jesus is doing today, because we often will, will forget that Jesus is actively involved in his work in the church today. Uh, just as he was in the past and will be in the future. might be helpful for us as we think about the fact that the church was called to be saints to start thinking about the, uh, the question of just who these saints are that were called to be saints in the early church. Um, 
And to contrast that with the Roman Catholic view of what it is to come to sainthood. I think it'd be helpful then for us to kind of discuss that a little bit uh, in order that everyone can see the contrast between what the early church was in the eyes of the Lord uh, and what we find that the church through the ages has designated through these many, many hundreds and hundreds of years as the means by which you become a called one. When you see the um, post-resurrection miracles that are happening through the apostles, Mm -hmm. um, every time they downplay their own involvement, um, it is Jesus who did this. Right. This this one that you killed and has raised from the dead, he's who healed this person, right? Right. Um, and so it it is so evident in the in the um, in this time period that the miracles that are going on are attributed to God. Yes. They are not attributed at all to a person, and the person who's even the apostles are looked at as gods, and they're like, no, 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 that's not, you know. And so it, it is, it's fitting, and I find it to be un, unescapably clear that these ones who are um, performing the miracles, as they would say, are clear to say that it was Jesus, that it yes. was the Spirit that did these things. Um, and so I think that just, that in itself goes... Um, in a pragmatic way against a person attaining something from doing a miracle. Right, right. Because it's clear from the very beginning that that's not what they're saying. You know, as Peter's standing before the the Sanhedrin, he's not saying, well, look, look what I did there. You know, <laughs> there's none of that. And I know that the Roman Catholic Church wouldn't, want to highlight the person mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. but the earning of sainthood is about the greatness of that person yes as opposed to the greatness of god and that's not what you see in the early church a- apart from the real doctrinal issue that's there just the pragmatic side of it it, it misses the whole point of the miracle it really does and whether you're looking at the the determination that an individual must have miracles attested related to his or her life in order to be accepted or acknowledged as a saint, or whether it's the concept that you must be able to speak in tongues in order to demonstrate that you have been saved, which we would find in many charismatic churches. In either case, we don't find anything in the book of Acts or the epistles that declare either of these things to be true. We see no mandate to speak in tongues in order to demonstrate that you are a called one, that you are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we also don't see any kind of a measuring stick described that says, if you are going to be reckoned as a saint, you must have several miracles attested to you People must have been able to touch your bones and have things happen to you. 
uh, that uh, happen that demonstrates that you are in fact a saint. So the concept of saint in the New Testament, which is an individual who has been sanctified through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the, and the idea of saints as we often think of them, based upon the Roman Catholic influence in our society, uh, is quite different. And the whole focus is, is off. Instead of, um, I'm, I am a sinner who has received grace because of his greatness, the, in both of those scenarios, the focus is changed to where I have spoken in tongues so I can prove that I'm fitting. Right. I have done a miracle, or people have recognized me to have power, which takes the, the focus off of who Christ is right. and puts it on, on me, even, even if it's posthumously. Yeah. Right? It's still yes. a, a completely askew focus from what the Scriptures have. The idea is to elevate God and His truth, not to elevate us. That's right. right? And so both of those um, are off target for that. Yes. Yes, I, I would agree. I, the saint is ahead. sanctified one. A saint is one who has believed and been given holiness, right? It's the same idea of holy. It's yes. been given holiness by God. Not, not that they are special, but that they're in a special class of given holiness because Christ has done this work for us. Yes. He's the one who said it is finished. He did the work. The phrase is called to be saints called to be saints, sanctified in the one who is holy. Yep. I think one thing that might be a little helpful as, as we go, just to kind of clarify where we're at. So we're talking about Christ's post-resurrection miracles, right? So after uh, we've already talked about how uh, about him ascending, right? That was what the uh, last, last one was his ascension, his enthronement. Uh, and so now we're seeing uh, his miracles happening uh, throughout believers throughout time, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, the that's kind of where this sainthood conversation starts with is that uh, the uh, the most prominent uh, sainting organization would be the Roman Catholic Church, and so that's kind of where I'm talking about that. Um, talking about the idea of if someone is uh, do actively doing miracles or uh, or something along those lines, that they would be a saint. And so kind of uh, doing that and how we would differ in in what we would believe in the, the view of a saint, right? We would obviously uh, we talk, think about Jesus as he was here. talks about, uh, you know, faith uh, to move a mountain, right? Faith of a mustard right. seed. And so uh, he can do these miracles through anybody. There's nothing special about uh, the human, there's something special about the God who's working through the human, right? And so and that was the point of what uh, right. what Dan said earlier in referencing the fact that as you see Peter and John and others performing miracles in the book of Acts, you don't see any special uh, attribution of sainthood to them that is any different than any others. Their constant reference was back to Jesus. Right. It wasn't us that did this. Right. It was Jesus. Yep. We would. We obviously wouldn't. Uh, you know, Peter and and John and all the disciples and uh, Paul. Like they, they are they are heroes of the faith. They they deserve right. uh, recognition uh, for for their faith. Um, but I think we can see scripturally that 
they would take that recognition and direct it where it needs to go, right. which right. is uh, which is great. Yeah. Right. It sure right. is. And in the idea of of uh, even of sainthood that wasn't earned, it wasn't earned by those actions. Right. Right. It wasn't earned by those actions. Right. Right. So they do use it in a sense of honor, and honor is good, right? Honor, honoring Absolutely. a faithful life is good, um, but um, I I don't attain heaven, and I don't attain an elevated standing with God because I'm good. Right. Right. It is it is what Christ has done that gives me that brings me into his family, that allows me to um, speak to the father as though he's daddy, Yeah. right? And I, I don't want to demean his character in any way, um, but he has declared Abba, to call to him Abba Father, right? And to have a closeness with him that is fully available, not because I'm good, but because of what Christ has done for me. In the sense that, the Roman Catholics are putting special honor upon these individuals who are incredibly used during their lifetimes. We can appreciate that because we we see that, for instance, in the New Testament, we're told that uh, uh, the person who ministers the word is to receive special honor. But that honor does not mean that that person is put into a different classification from all other believers. It simply means that the respect that that individual is due is to be given. Um, And so as we look at the Lord Jesus' ministries after his ascension, we recognize that in many ways he was calling attention to himself but he was doing it through vessels who were chosen to accomplish the purpose he had. He trained his disciples, and they became the apostles of the early church. And these individuals were those who were especially used of the Lord to accomplish the purpose that he had for them to do and to, to show that, in fact, Jesus was working through his church. We refer to the book of Acts as the Acts of the Apostles, and indeed it is, <laughs> but it's also the Acts of the Holy Spirit, who is in, in a very wonderful way sent by the Father and the Son to accomplish the work that was done, as we find it described in the book of Acts. We see that... Uh, Jesus appeared on the the road to Damascus to the Apostle Paul. That was a, a, a miraculous appearance of Jesus to him. Uh, and, and we recognize that Jesus did that in a very special way at a special time to accomplish the calling of a man who otherwise would not have turned to him, but instead would have continued to persecute the church. And so Paul, the next apostle who was called, was called by a special appearance of the Lord Jesus himself. One of the, um, one of the beautiful passages about the special work that Christ has done there in that post-resurrection time is in Acts 4. Mm-hmm. Um, starting, I'll just read some here, uh, verse 
7, when they had placed them in the center, uh, speaking to Peter and some other of the apostles, when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Meaning uh, the healing of a lame man. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. Um, And so this, this passage is so beautiful because Peter so quickly diffuses the power that they have mm-hmm. and turns it right back to Christ. And and as we think about healings often, we think about the Spirit doing special things. But in this passage, it's clear that it was Jesus that was the one who brought healing to this. And I'm not saying that the Spirit or the Father are not involved at all, but, but here recognition is given to to Jesus the Nazarene, right? That's right. That's right. And so... Though there are many things that we see the Holy Spirit accomplishing, the very fact that the Holy Spirit, who had led Jesus through his earthly ministry, was now sent by the Son to accomplish the ministry on earth that he wanted to continue. Right. We, we recognize that when Jesus said in, in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That was what he was talking about, Mm -hmm. that he would, in fact, be ministering uh, directly, both himself and through the Holy Spirit, to the church until its end. So that work continues, right? The, The... In that time period, there were there were particular miracles that were happening, conf- confirming the truth of who Christ is, confirming mm-hmm. that teaching that the apostles were teaching. But then the work goes on into uh, into our day, right? And it it isn't quite the same. Uh, we don't see uh, those same confirming miracles, mm-hmm. um, and because we have the scriptures for us that are completed. Uh, but also that doesn't mean that he's not doing incredibly wonderful things for us. That's right. right? That's right. And the fact that he is doing incredibly wonderful things, and we'll, we'll, think of, we'll, we'll discuss what some of those things are, the fact that he is doing those things is something that we, as those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, must reckon to be so. We don't see them with our eyes. Mm -hmm. We don't see Jesus at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, praying in our behalf. We don't see that, but it's promised that he will do that. Mm -hmm. And so by faith, we we accept the fact that this is one thing that Jesus is doing in our behalf. Uh, And it's, it's in a place that we cannot see with our human eyes. But we do see with the eyes of faith in the sense that we know that where Jesus is, he is accomplishing this kind of work. Another unseen but clearly stated is the idea of Christ being the head of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see it pictured wonderfully in early Revelation where he's in the middle of, the, of all the candlesticks. But 
uh, it's stated also in Ephesians and in Colossians that he is the head of the church. And so he, he directs what happens with and to the church, right? Absolutely. Right. One good example of, of that is found in Ephesians chapter 4, where we find the description of uh, Jesus being the one who gives to the church those who are pastors, teachers, mm-hmm. evangelists. Right. The, they are, in this particular case, not described as the spiritual gifts provided by the Holy Spirit for those of us who are in Christ, but they're specifically described as gifts given to the church by the Lord, right. yep. which, which is, I think is a, a beautiful right. illustration of how deeply involved our Savior is in the church. Yep. One that's a little more... Um, we still, it's still unseen, but it is more uh, practically applied, is the Hebrews passage for where he provides mercy and grace to help in time of need. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, we don't always see that happening, but it's it's in response to to our earthly circumstances, right? That 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 work that he's doing is um, it's not as though we can um, necessarily say, oh, right, right there, right there, that was it, that was the thing. Um, but we can know that yeah. he's involved in our uh, our our circumstances, our happenings, our our experience. We also can reckon on something really beautiful for us because one of the things that we experience here in this world is a, a tremendous amount of, of weakness, physical weakness, emotional weakness. Um, our bodies are going to experience the ravages of what we find in the environment all around us. All those of us who have gone through the pandemic can give a hearty amen to the fact that uh, there are forces at work, there are, there are uh, invisible entities in this world that are going to hit us and, and uh, bring us to our knees. But one of the beautiful promises that we have and Paul expresses it so beautifully in Corinthians that we actually have the power of Christ available to us. When we are weak, we are strong because the power of Christ tabernacles upon us. Mm. That is not just a, uh, a handy little flippant saying that we can use. It is literally the realization that we are so strengthened by the work of God in us, that when we are weak, we have another source of strength, another source of power that we can depend on that doesn't come from ourselves. It literally comes from our Savior and our Lord. Right. Uh, Romans 8 talks about him keeping us in his love. Um, the idea of him keeping us and, and, and not us keeping ourselves, but him keeping us is... is uh, a beautiful work that he has. One that goes along with that would be uh, in the book of Jude. I love this uh, phrasing that's here, the end of book, the book of Jude, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God and Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority. 
before all time and now and forever. Amen. But this idea of Christ being involved in uh, working within our lives, not only does he present us blameless because the Father sees his perfection in us, Mm -hmm. but he also continues to work in our lives to bring about that reality more and more. Um, and, uh, and then it has it with great joy that we would be presented, uh, blameless with great joy. Sometimes being, having, having to have changes in our life isn't, isn't, uh, momentarily joyful, right? But his work in us, uh, accomplishes that with great joy. And that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that, that, that happens. So, and in regard to our blamelessness, um, there's a beautiful ministry the Lord Jesus has that's described in First John 2 uh, in which he intercedes in our behalf. Um, this goes into the, the, the work of one who is our accuser. Uh, the evil one desires to accuse us before God. Basically to say, hey, look, your, your servant... He is not perfect at all. In fact, look at the sin that that individual just committed. And, of course, one of the things, and we're going to look at this more as we get into uh, a discussion of who the evil one is, what Satan does as an opposer of God, but also an opposer of the saints. We recognize the fact that he is very much involved with demonic entities, with the world that we're in and all of its attractions, to try to get Christians to stumble and fall. And in stumbling and fall, to keep, take their eyes off the Lord, uh, to, to commit sin, to be tempted and follow that temptation. And in the course of that, the more we get involved in that, the more we re- really remove ourselves from the testimony of Jesus Christ. People don't see Christ in us anymore. They see the the uh, sinful flailing that we're doing. And at that point, the evil one would be more than happy to go before the Father and say, look at this one. You call that one your child? And at that point, Jesus can intercede and say, I died for that one. That one's mine. And even though there may be failures, and there will be, and even though we may sin, and we will, even though we, uh, we walk opposed to the desires of our Father, there is always one who intercedes for us and says, despite those sins, despite those failings, and the fact that the Holy Spirit right now is working to bring that one back to fellowship with you, Father, he is mine. I died for him. It's a beautiful ministry yep. that Jesus has so, as our high priest. Right. So the last time you talked about the active enthronement. I mean, that's such a good a good wording of that because he is enthroned, he is exalted, as uh, as Philippians would talk about him having a name above every name. But it's not. Um, he's not still. Um, I think we referenced last time the martyr of Stephen. How he looks up and sees sees Jesus standing. Yes, um, and so that that active involvement uh, is is still going on, even though we don't necessarily see it. Right? We don't we don't have the right the uh, we don't have it like the apostles did, where where Paul can talk 
was talking audibly to Jesus, right? I, I've never talked. I've talked audibly. I've never had God talk <laughs> audibly to me. Um, but that, doesn't, that, that doesn't make him not real, direction, right? That yeah. doesn't, just because I haven't seen him with my eyes or haven't heard him with my ears, it doesn't make him not real. And as we look at the scriptures, it can confirm uh, the truth of who he is. And then as we find that that the resurrection is real, giving reality to those things, and then we look further into the scriptures and see who he is for real in, in these days, how great it is that he's our advocate, that he continues to work in our life, that he keeps us, um, that he continues drawing people to himself, uh, that he gives us the right to be uh, the children of God, uh, that, that uh, there's so much that's going on there that isn't a, even though his work was finished on the cross, uh, in a different sense, his work goes on uh, within us. The, the the employment of that finished work on the cross right uh, continues to uh, uh, to be active and uh, what, a, what a great noticing of relationship that is that uh, somewhere in the past he died for us well that's great uh, but it's even better because he who died for us and rose conquering death continues to work in us Amen. and uh, what, a, what a privilege it is to be his he is the great high priest, and because of that, he, in understanding our weakness mm-hmm. uh, as one who walked upon the earth, he understands those areas in which we need his, uh, his aid, and he is an advocate for us before the Father. Yeah. And he's, he's doing something else that we constantly talk about, but we don't think about it in this way. He's adding sheep to his sheepfold. Yeah. <laughs> that was one thing that he uh, he asked as in, in his high priestly prayer in John 17 that the Father would not only bless those who he was leaving behind, but also that he would work through those to, into the lives of those who would be brought into the sheepfold through them. In John 1, uh, verses 12 to 13, we find a description of what he does for those who believe in him. He allows us to become sons of God. Um, we, are, we are blessed to realize that he is calling out a people for his name's sake. And we are the instruments by which he's doing that as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And as you look at all that he's doing, it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's so great to know he's not a distant, not a distant detached God, That's right. even though we don't see him and don't hear him. He's, a, he's not a distant, detached God. He's, he's very real, and he's still at work. Uh, the Hebrews uh, 2 passage of him coming to us when we're tested uh, leads me to the James passage of counting all joy when you fall into various uh, trials right. because they actually accomplish good because of what Christ is doing in us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's right. How good it is. Well, it's been good to talk through these uh, works both that he did there in the early church and also that are ongoing. Uh, he still has every ability to um, accomplish any of those miraculous works. There's no limit to God's, uh, right. to, to Christ's ability to do those miracles. Um, but uh, what he's chosen to do is to confirm his truth in his word and now live on those, live on that foundation of that truth. Uh, so We'll never understand until we're in heaven just how much more he's been doing. Right. Then we know. Right. Yeah. When if the when the veil is pulled back and we see what's been going on, we'll be in awe again 
right? And, Absolutely. And in a more appropriate way. Well, it's been good. So uh, this this present work is uh, what we've been talking through. Um, next time we're going to talk about some future work, as you said, the eschatology of Christology. Yes. Right. Some of us uh, less less uh, overtly theologically minded might have put it differently than that, but uh, <laughs> then we would have missed out on the uh, then we would have missed out on the theology of ology, right? That's right. <laughs> the phraseology of the eschatology of Christology. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's been good to be with you. Rejoice in what Christ has done and is doing uh, in your life. Uh, if 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 you. Um, I, I would assume most people listening to this podcast know Christ as Savior. But if you do not, uh, he has given his life and, uh, and offers you complete forgiveness and eternal life. But it's even better than that. He continues to work in you and through you uh, throughout the days of, of, your, of your life, how good it is. And so uh, those of you who don't know him, come to know him. Those of you who, who, are, in, who are believers, let's rejoice together in the the awe that Christ would be involved in in our lives. What a privilege it is. Giving us life more abundant. That's right. So thanks for joining with us today. And uh, let's go out and give him glory for what he has done, but also what he is doing, and that we might praise him in that way. Again, communicate with us if you can through uh, any of the podcast outlets there. Um, Give a a review or a comment, uh, or you can send me an email at pd at crossbridgeindy.com, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.